Good afternoon on this rainy and um, thunderous day of another, we got a great, great episode. We always, all our episodes are great, by the way, but this is a, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes. We have a rip snorter, <laughs> as they say, episode of How Betty Davis Saved My Life. Life lessons from classic Hollywood. Yes, 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 yes. We're yeah, back with you. Woo. I'm Moya. <laughs> And I'm Georgia. And we are ready to rock and roll with you. Georgia, what is our movie? We, we want to jump right into this one. Seven Days in May, which was released in 1964. It was actually supposed to be released in 63, but we'll get into that later. And what an amazing cast. Talk about ensemble acting. This should be taught in schools about what an ensemble cast should be like yeah we have burt lancaster kurt Woo! douglas <laughs> frederick march ava gardner we also have some other titans of this screen uh i mean they are there's so many of them in this movie oh my gosh and, and it was directed by john frankenheimer and mm. it was based on the novel with the same name, Seven Days in May, by Fletcher Knabel and Charles W. Bailey II. And the screenplay was written by Rod Serling, who, as we know, uh, was the one who wrote The Twilight Zone. And this was his favorite screenplay of all the movies he wrote. He also wrote, believe it or not, Planet of the Apes. Oh, he did. Wow. He did. Yes, he did. And something else he wrote uh escaping me right now. And if you all know in the um comments of our tell us in our comments section of our Facebook page, also by the same name, How Betty Davis Saved My Life. I want to give a shout out to some of our new subscribers and um our new followers on Facebook. Thank you guys so much. Special shout out to the pages and the groups that we follow, especially the Constant Bennett and Joan Bennett page. Um, also, uh, the Myrna Loy and William Powell Facebook pages and Our Way of Loving, Joan Crawford, and so many more, uh, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Classic Cinema, Silver Screen. I'm saying them all wrong, Fred McMorris. So we, we, we follow a lot of pages. And if you all... So our listeners, and of course, shout out to you guys, all of our listeners. Um, please go visit those pages and visit some of the other pages of these legendary uh, stars of yesteryear. And, um, page, and some of these movies have pages as well. So go on Facebook and Twitter and all the other social media and go in and patronize these fan um, pages because that's the only way we're going to keep these movies alive. And of course, TCM, you know, they're out there fighting a good fight. Even Amazon and um, uh, 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 YouTube has a lot of these movies. And so we saw this this movie. Well, I saw it on YouTube. And I'm sorry. You know, y'all know I'm so bad about remembering what page I saw. So whoever it was had it for free on YouTube. Thank you, ma'am and or sir, um, whoever you are. Because, I, cause, cause I, Georgia, where did you look at it? Oh, gosh. Uh, I looked at it on, oh, man, I go to IMDb, Wikipedia. I look at Rotten Tomatoes. No, where did you see the movie? Movies. Where did you see oh, the, the movie? movie? Oh, yeah. you can, uh, I saw it, the movie on um, uh, 
Amazon Prime, but I noticed they also have it on YouTube. Yeah, but that, it is three ninety nine. No, no, no. That's what I was saying. It was free on YouTube. I saw it for free on YouTube, and I don't remember the page. And um, that's why I was asking you where did you see it. Um, so I, but I, so but anyway, it's it's if you don't like YouTube, whatever. But it's on Amazon. But you gotta have Amazon Prime. And right next to the free uh, version of it was the paid YouTube version, which I I cracked up and laughed because I'm like, you got the enemy right next to you. So, you know, I saw I clicked, boop, free. Anyway, that's where it is. Let's get into this movie, Georgia. Tell us about Seven Days of May. Now, look, I don't know about you, Georgia, but when I was trying to plan for this, I, I don't want to give away too much. So... I, I'm going to really be careful. I don't, you know, about talking about it cuz I I don't want to give away too much even though it's kind of hard cuz you have to talk yeah. about uh, so Georgia, you do how you do whatever you want. I'm going to try not to reveal too much. Okay, I'll I'll try myself. Okay, this movie takes place at a time where there is a communist nuclear buildup and the US president uh does not have a lot of popular support in And what year is this Georgia? What year? Uh the, the actual movie is supposed to take place in the future, and they think maybe around 1970, okay. they think, sort of, mm -hmm. around that time, because they think it's going to be in the future, and to them, yeah, mm -hmm. so it's, it's roughly, and I've done a lot of research, and they kind of think it was about that time. Okay. And so, uh, the U.S. president, uh, he's like in his uh, late 70s, he doesn't have a lot of popular support. Uh, he, he's negotiated a nuclear disarmament treaty with Russia. And so... Russia, Russia, Russia. <laughs> yes. And so um, the military, and especially his joint chief of staff, general, uh, believes uh, the Russians won't abide by the treaty, and they think it's going to result in an unexpected attack by Russia. And um, so... With this happening, there are, all of a sudden, our, our Kirk Douglas starts getting little dribs and drabs and clues about a possible coup to take over the presidency. Yes, yes. Yeah. And really, I mean, no, so we're going to, I love how you just opened up and explained that. Absolutely perfect. Um, so we did you know, mention um, Kirk Franklin's this. And I love how you said in, in the uh, beginning of our show, this is a who's who of television stars, movie stars, Oscar Goldman himself from the, from those, I always get it. I would, maybe I'm a justify inflation. What was it? The $6 million man with Steve Austin. You know, the yes. binding man. I, we always call him the binding man in my house. But I'm, I'm, I was about to call him the $20 million man, but I'm adjusting for inflation. The $6 million man. So Oscar Goldman himself was in this. Not as Oscar Goldman. But uh, I can't remember the actor's name. That's a shame. But him, he, he was in everything. So it was a who's who that was in this movie. And so, Georgia, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about John Frankenheimer the director who who actually won the Golden Globe that uh in 65 for this um let's talk about his movies because his movies have a certain look and feel to them don't they they sure do it's unmistakable mm -hmm. um yeah he did uh the Manchurian Candidate yeah, that's one of my favorite he also movies did, um 
he he directed uh, Burt Lancaster previously in uh, The Train and Birdman of Alcatraz, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Yes, they do have a, a definitely wonderful look and feel. There's this immediacy to them. Yes. And then there's the the reality. It looks so almost like a documentary right. because it's this very sharp black and white. But the camera angles, he does it in a way where you feel it's almost claustrophobic. Right. You look at the interior shots. There's no windows. They're done at like a wide angle and low. And so you mm-hmm. get like everybody brought in. There's this sense of very immediate, it's immediate, the immediacy of the whole moment. It's brilliant. It's he is absolutely brilliant. amazing. Right, right. Um, and so he he's just done, Frankenhammer has done so many movies and like they have, like I said, a special uh, uh, look to him. And I, uh, uh, you mentioned, um, the Manchurian candidate, and man, look. So let me just say this: it seems like Frankenheimer has an affinity for conspiratorial <laughs> and um, yes. shadow government type themes, you know, like that. And um, George, I was thinking, how did this movie get made? And so, to that effect, you know when I was looking at doing my little research, cause you know, George is the head of the research department. So she does the best research we, uh, for our show actually. Um, and I, and I asked Georgia before the show, you know, did you find in your research that, uh, JFK, uh, that he wanted this movie to be made. And you said that that actually was true. Very much. So it was, uh, corroborated by a number of people at the time he didn't want it to be you know let out but um the thing is is uh yes the movie was actually supposed to be released during his presidency and i'm going to skip ahead a little bit here and then i'm going to go back but uh burt lancaster wanted the release of the movie delayed because it would have been released like maybe a couple of weeks after his assassination and so Mm. burt lancaster said no let's wait until you know next year to release it but getting back to president kennedy he had read the novel. Yeah, I was and so mad. I didn't know it was a novel until after read I read it. I mean, looked at the movie. I he would love to read the novel. Can you imagine that a president reading this novel during his presidency about a, a, right. a you know about a, a, a coup? And so he believed the scenario could actually occur in the U.S. And so he uh, encouraged President Kennedy. Actually, did encourage and he he assisted in the movies production and so the scene at the very beginning where you see the crowd where there's the riots in front of the white house Mm -hmm. he made sure he was out of town when that was being filmed and he allowed them he gave them permission to film that sequence in front of the white house Mm. and um yeah and so it turned out that you know i mean we all know is that he he had this premonition uh he told people that he felt that his term in office would be, could possibly be violently disrupted. And we know how that did turn out. Right, right, unfortunately. And like I said, there's just so many great actors, so many Oscar winners in this movie, either wins or nominations or, or TV, the cream of the crop as far as the TV um, TV stars and best TV actors. Uh, Richard Anderson, that is... Uh, Oscar Goldman, who played Colonel Murdoch, and George McCready, and Whit Bissell. I mean, just who is who, and Helen, even uh, even Helen Klebe, Um, she was the secretary to the president. She's been 
in like everything, especially like Little House on the Prairie and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was just great. Edmund O'Brien, who was really unsung, one of my favorite character actors, who was actually nominated for Oscar for this, just absolutely fantastic. So George, I was trying to figure out this has to be our fourth Burt Lancaster movie. <laughs> right but that just shows the man did quality films he didn't do any trash films you know mm -hmm. so he and and he was a risk taker and, and and i mean just just the best but uh you know we're not talking a lot about the plot because and some of you may have seen it um but, you know, Georgia, let's go on and try to get into what makes this a classic in our opinion and what kind of life lessons can we learn from uh, Seven Days in May? Uh, this movie is a classic for a number of reasons. Number one, it was, I think at the time, this was in many ways, it was very controversial when it first came out, um, but it made people think because when you see the way this movie is made it is done in such a way that it doesn't make one side look really bad it's so right. even-handed this depiction yes. yes it is is such a true it, it stays yes. really true to the novel and i i like the way that they um make both sides look very sane and rational right. and very well thought out mm -hmm. they don't make one side look evil or right. like I love very uh, ir irrational. They don't do that. Right. And so it makes you look, this is one of those movies that makes you think. And I think that's one of the reasons that it makes it a classic. It, but it's just a combination of, I have to say a combination of brilliant direction, brilliant writing, brilliant acting. And I think those are the three, it, it hits all three. I mean, really high. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a great classic. Um, but, uh, I mean, there, there's so much to this movie. It, it's, you really, really have to pay attention because right. even though you don't see, you know, a huge amount of action like mm -hmm. love scenes, car chases, explosions, right. things like that, the dialogue propels it so that it is uh, where you're sitting on the edge of your seat. Yeah. There is, it's just the momentum. It just picks up speed. And I tell you, it carries you along where you are. It's such a thriller. It, it is. is. I think it is. to me, this is like the granddaddy of all political thrillers. Yeah. So to me, that's one of the reason why I would put this in the classic category. Mm -hmm. And as far as life lessons learned, okay have to say that you know you have to think about the constitution about what's good for your government it makes you really think about those things during the course of watching this movie you you really look at it in a different way that you haven't before and i think it's really amazing the very opening of this movie mm -hmm. what do they show in the background they show the constitution right. and then with the brilliant jerry goldsmith mm -hmm. as as the one who does does the score you hear like right. it's a military it's like a drum cadence right through this movie and mm -hmm. he doesn't do it too much but it's just perfect yeah, perfect pitch perfect. pitch perfect with everything in this movie but I don't want to chew up too much of the scenery, as they say, but I did want to say something about why this feels very timely mm -hmm. for me. 
Um, I was born in the baby boomer generation and nuclear weapons have been a reality, you know, for our entire lives. Right. And so we've lived with their existence for about three quarters of a century, you know, since World War II ended. And that's made it kind of complacent in a way that people in the 60s weren't because when the reality of nuclear annihilation had just been around a few short years, everybody was very, very Mm -hmm. scared and concerned about it. And so it's easy to lose sight of what a new and horrifying development they were for people in the mid-century and how large they loomed in everybody's consciousness. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That That's valid. And I was as I was looking at this, you know, uh, obviously we know communism fell. We know that uh, nuclear disarmament to some degree did happen, uh, whether you agree with it or not. Um between us and Russia, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, there there was always uh, you know talks and people are still talking about you know now it's as uh, we now we have our Middle Eastern um, part of the world about them having the bomb or bombs or whatever. So uh, you know that's what George and I was saying. You could literally change the actors and do this movie again don't do it again because we all know sometimes when they do these movies again good lord it you know the, the beauty of it gets lost but m- my point is when i was looking at it i told georgia before i said nothing has changed it's the same it's the same freaking talking points over and over again the same distrust the same um divisiveness and you are right georgia you know of course you know like you said this was this was a, a talking dinner talk like every night, ducking cover. So I, you know, I, uh, I was, yes. I'm not a baby boomer. I was, I'm a disco kid, a disco baby. So I was there in happier times, and we didn't know anything about any nuclear stuff till like later on when uh, Gorbachev and Reagan with Star Wars and all this kind of stuff. And that that still didn't dawn on me because we were so far removed from World War II and Hiroshima and and Nagasaki and all that stuff. Um, but to your point. The, the the school I went to, um, elementary school, I would see these uh, posters on the wall and it would say fallout shelter. And I was like, a fallout shelter? That I hadn't, and it had the little symbols and the little nuclear symbols. And I, and I could not understand, like, what you meant? Like, you just fall out? Like, all I knew fall out, like, like, you pass out. And I was like, I got to come to school or pass out? Like, people come to school and pass out? Do they pass out under this sign? I didn't, you like, you can't pass out in the bathroom or in the classroom, you have to pass out in the hallway under this sign. So, you know, as a kid, I didn't understand that. Now, fast forward, you know, being an adult and knowing history, the school was a a, a, a bomb shelter, if you will, or, you know, a, a site where people could get it. So it's just, and so those signs were still, they might still be there for all I know. And I was went there a million years ago. But yeah, Georgette. And so talk about the military side of it, because you were in the military. Talk about... Uh, and we don't want to give too much away. I'm, I'm telling you guys, it is don't don't walk away from the television. Don't get on your phone. Pay attention. No, no scene is wasted. You have to pay attention. And like I said, we don't want to give too much away. But we got to talk about from a military standpoint. Um, Kirk Douglas's character, um, Jiggs, um, Colonel Martin. You, you know the back and forth between him and Jane, uh, General Scott Lancaster's about the military talk about the strain kirk douglas's character had to be under 
and being torn between his respect for General Scott Burt Lancaster's character, the chairman of Joint Chief of Staff, and then his loyalty to his country. You know, we're not going to give away too much, but in, in the military, how ingrained is that in, in, in you in the military? Or, or, Extremely. Can you be torn? Or can it, can it, can a, a soldier actually be torn like that? Oh, yes, absolutely, because it is so ingrained in you about to respect the chain of command and don't go above the chain of command. Mm -hmm. And so uh, because uh, General Scott, played by Burt Lancaster, was his superior, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he could see he could actually see the reasoning behind his point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, he yes, he was absolutely torn because to go against him, he knew it was going to be the end of his career. It's going to ruin him. And it also he knew that that could ruin it could ruin his superior officer's career. Mm -hmm. And and this he knew that this was going to dramatically change his whole life around. The, and, you know, when you're in that long, you know, you have to um, be shown as being loyal mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, following orders. And you issue orders, you follow. Because in order to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then, but it, as we all know, the, the military, you know, is like ultimately we all answer to the civilians because civilians, you know, the president is right. a civilian, right? You know, is is like over all of them. Yeah, he's the commander in chief. And so, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. He's the commander in chief. So then he's he's feeling like I am all of a sudden the only person who has this huge weight on me that mm -hmm. knows that knows what's going on and what's happening. And do right. I? Do I reveal this? Because either way, he feels like he's going to come out bad. He's going right. to come out as, as like, you know, like a traitor in many ways, right. you know. Right. But right. at the same time, he feels a sense of duty. Mm -hmm. He feels like he needs to, uh, you know, tell the president what he thinks might be happening. Right. right. Because it's so, it's just, it, it, it just, at the time, it just seems, nowadays, we have gotten so used to attacks on the presidency, but right, back then right, this right. wasn't this wasn't a commonplace kind of a thing, exactly. not really. Right, and it was, and that's so ironic because Kennedy's presidency was the advent because <laughs> he he had so many scandals surrounding him and his brother, and and uh, they were at war with the FBI with J. Edgar Hoover, uh, Robert right. Kennedy, and Hoover couldn't stand each other. Um, and and Hoover couldn't stand the Kennedys, period. So, uh, and, and and Hoover had files on so many people and they would leak things to the press. So, but, you know, the, the Kennedys, a lot of it, they brought a lot of scandal on themselves. So that love affair between the media and the uh, White House really got breached during Kennedy's uh, presidency. And, and, and really after that, all it was all bets were were off after that, you know, and then you know LBJ, then um uh, uh Nixon, and and of course by Nixon time, please the <laughs> the presidency, and, and again these people a lot of it they brought it on themselves, uh whether you you know dig it or not, but you know it it, it is what it is, but um I also so something that could get that could get overlooked in this in this um story, in this movie. There's always a woman, as some as the old line goes. There's always a woman, and so uh, Ava Gardner. And so this is a re uh, 
reuniting, if you will, of she and Lancaster, because we did them in his premiere movie and, and she, when she was like super young, one of her first movies and The Killers. So check that podcast out, guys. We uh with Lancaster and Gardner, The Killers. We did that one a while back. One of my favorite movies. Um, and oh gosh, who directed that and wrote that? Somebody big. It's too much. Let me know in the comments on our Facebook page. But anyway, love that movie. So reunification with them. Although they did not have any scenes together in this movie, but they play former lovers, and you kind of get the sense that. Uh, General Scott Lancaster's um, character kind of threw her over um, and and married somebody else, you know, and uh, that may or may not have played a part in her characters, Ellie or Eleanor, um, the the trying to find out what's going on if there is in fact a coup. So what did you think about that as as a woman, Georgia? Put yourself in Ellie's position. You have the uh handsome and dashing, you know, Kirk Douglas comes to you and say, Hey, this may or may not be going on. I know you know this guy better than anybody. I need you to do your do do your duty for not that duty. I know you want to do that duty, but not that, not yet. But uh we need you to do something else. We need to do something very patriotic for your country. So as a woman, <laughs> put yourself in Ellie's shoes. Do you, what are you, what kind of decision would you have made without trying to, I know it's hard to, we don't want to give away too much, but you know, what would you, what'd you say? You Go and get out of, give, huh? What did you, you say? You love to give me these questions. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. George is turning red. Why are you, she laughing? Answer the question. Answer the question. Okay. <laughs> well, well, you know, it, staying like within her character, I can see how she would have been felt really jaded and everything because she would have felt like, ah, gosh, you know, she'd been kind of in some ways maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she mutually enjoyed the relationships and she may have felt kind of jaded and used and all that. But the thing is, is... um you know, I am such, from my own personal perspective, I'm a rather private person. I don't know that I would have, if that were me in her shoes, I don't know that I would have handed over. Well, don't say it. Don't say that. it. <laughs> don't say it. So you don't know. You don't know. I guess you can say that. I, I guess. I, I think you can say that know. part. Well, yeah. Anyway. um, but She did help out. I, Let's just say that. She did help out with the, yeah, to the cause. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. She did. Yeah. yeah. And, and what she did. <laughs> What she did came into play at the at the at the end. It could have been, uh, you know, the mid the midnight out of hail mary, as they say. Um, so we'll we'll leave it at that. So you think you 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 don't think you would have helped out in that fashion, or or, or you would have? I'm sorry. I kind of leaning towards I would not have. Okay. <laughs> Well, but you That's know, but you know, because you know, the old saying about kiss and tell, you know, Moya, remember, I mean, that's just, you know, that's like kissing and telling, you know, but you know, Kirk Douglas's character, Colonel, um, well, Jiggs, he put the, he leaned on her. You don't think he said drop the president's name and don't make a subpoena you or bring you for before Congress. I don't really think she had a choice because they didn't really show her, you know, they showed her getting mad and, 
you know that but we don't know what he told her because you're right i me too i'm private trying to say go pound sand but I, 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 I think he leaned on her, and that, and I didn't know that there was a book. I, I just found out there was a book, so I now I want to read the book, because the, uh, according to this person online who uh, on YouTube who was doing a book review, he said a book is better than a movie. The books are already always better than a movie. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you, but I think he they leaned on her, girl. If they come tell you, you can just help us in private. Or we can drag it before Congress and everybody going to hear your dirty laundry. You'd be like, oh, all right. <laughs> you know, all right now. Yeah, I, I think so. I'd be like, let me go get this shoebox. <laughs> let me go get this MacGuffin. <laughs> let me go get what you need, you know. So, um, but we are all, almost right at our 30-minute mark. Georgia, uh, you close us out. Uh, I want y'all to know that this movie is definitely worth your time watching. Um, I think it's not just for the excellent ensemble performances and the acting and the, I mean, the directing and, and the cinematography, everything. But I think the reason that you want to see this is because you will think that there's something very timely Absolutely. happening. Yes. Even though this movie was made close to, oh, I don't know, 60 years ago, mm -hmm. regardless of what your politics are, they regardless. don't ever use the word conservative or Democrat. They never say Republican, uh, anything. Republican no. liberal. They never say any of that. Never. But there is something that's very timely about this movie, and yes. you'll get it when you'll you watch it. it. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that's the thought that I want to leave you with. Yes, yes. Um, and, 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 and by the time this drops, this will ha have already happened. But shout out to the ending of Better Call Saul, the final episode aired last uh, week, last Monday. We will be in September about time this episode's dropped. But I, if some of you are Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad fans, didn't they do justice to that to that story? And I kind of want to shout out too because the ending and, uh, and and spoiler alert by now if you ain't saw it by now shame on you. But they did like a film noir Georgia at uh it, so there there were scenes um. Uh, when they wanted to show the present day, what was happening with Saul or Gene, because he had to change, go underground and get his uh, a new identity. With Gene, they would shoot him in black and white. So when him Kim comes to visit him, now, spoiler alert, I am about to say what happened to Gene. If you have not seen Better Call Saul, mwah, we love you. Thank you for turn, tuning in to How Betty Davis Saved My Life, but I'm about to spoil it. So now you don't look at Better Call Saul. You, you, you looked at Breaking Bad, but you didn't look at Better Call Saul, right, Georgia? No. Okay. Uh, I saw Breaking Bad, though. I yeah. saw that. Are you planning on looking at Better Call Saul? Uh, uh, do you, uh, are, you, are you on the fence or you don't know? Um, I don't know. Okay, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to spoil it for poor Georgia. But they <laughs> they did some homage to uh, um, film noir, from the way it was shot and the lighting and everything and the shadows and him and Kim smoking a cigarette and them lighting it and everything out that, that was, that was dark victory written all over it. Not dark victory. Um, with Betty Davis now, now Voyager. Cause you know, in a, in a yeah, cinema when the man and the woman would, he would light her cigarette and stick it in her mouth and she was sticking it in her mouth. That was like 
symbolic for sex, you know, like that. So anyway, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it because Georgia says she might look at it. Anyway, thank you guys so much. But please check out our movie today, Seven Days in May. And there's a there's a Russian version, uh, uh, not version, I'm mean, sorry, it is not the version. There's a Russian movie called Seven Days in May. It has nothing to do with this. I think it's something totally different. So don't, don't go look at that unless you just want to. But um, our Burt Lancaster and, and Frederick March, I left out, um, oh, was it Frederick March? That's one of my favorite actors. He yes. was fantastic as President Lyman. Yes. I mean, I just love, and, and, you know, he came from silent. And so he had been in the business at least 40 something. And I think he even went on and did stuff in the late sixties and cause he was fantastic, fantastic and ombre with Paul Newman. So he had been in the business almost, um, gone on almost 50 60 years um well just about maybe 40 years but that man was such a brilliant actor and so even people don't talk about him a lot but he could transition he transitioned all the way into this time period so frederick march gives a clinic on acting and and uh, strength without making a lot of movements and stuff and all the pressure that was on him being a president so look at that but um seven days in may guys Please look at it. Tell us what you think. Thank you all so much for being here. We ran a little bit over. We love you so much. For How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood, I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And we don't know what our next move is. I'm sorry. Georgia, do we know? I, we try to plan ahead. What no, is our we next don't. Move? Okay. <laughs> we try to plan ahead. I'm sorry. We're not consistent. Well, I'm, I do apologize. You guys have a great one. See you next time. Take us on out. Rufus featuring Shaka Khan, Hollywood.